You're listening to a Stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey everybody, welcome to another installment of the Savage Lovecast. I'm Dan Savage, and the Lovecast is the once a week out loud call-in version of my sex advice column, Savage Love, that runs in papers absolutely fucking anywhere that matters. The phone number here, 206-201-2720, and you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. We've got lots of calls uh, in today's show, so we're going to get right to it. Dan, hey, I'm 36 and I'm getting divorced, and I'm starting to meet women, and I'm just trying to figure out how can I tell them I'm interested in non-committal sex. Um, obviously, I'm not really at the point where I can get into a relationship right now, but I have needs, and I uh, I love women. And, and I'm just thinking that, you know, if I tell them too early when I meet them, I come off as an asshole thinking that they're interested in having sex, and I'm starting to talk about that. And I'm sort of taking things for granted. But then again, if I get too much into any type of relationship, if it's too late, then I come off as an asshole because I didn't tell them soon enough that I was not looking for a relationship, but rather sex. So you don't want to seem like an asshole, uh, which is a problem because I'm going to advise you uh, to be an asshole, or at least an asshole by some women's estimations. Uh, There's no way for you to have noncommittal, no-strings-attached sex with women who aren't advertising that that is only what they want without some of those women considering you an asshole. So what you need to do is, like you said, you rightly intuited, if you bring it up too soon, it looks presumptuous, like you assume they want to fuck you when you may just be dating and they may be considering you for sex. Uh, but So when's the right time to bring it up? The right time to bring up your limitations is before you fuck, which means after a couple of dates, if you're a date-then-fuck guy or if you're hanging out with a woman a bit, that's something she needs to know before she makes the decision to crawl into bed with you. Because for a lot of women, and for a lot of men, uh, just not the gay ones, that first sexual uh, experience, uh, that first getting naked for someone is sort of uh, a seal of approval, sort of a commitment to at least there being the possibility of something coming from this, of it being long-term. It's an audition for a role, perhaps, that they hope to win. Uh, That role being your serious girlfriend, maybe, or potentially your wife down the road. And if that is absolutely not on the table... If they're auditioning for a part that, that is not open, you have to tell them that. And you have to tell them that up front. You have to tell them that before your dick's inside them. Will some women think you're an asshole? Yes. Will some think women think you're an asshole who did the right thing? Yes. Some women, even when you say that, will still want to fuck you. They'll still want to audition for the part in case it opens up. Because where you're at now, when you're 36 and you're just getting divorced... You may, they may decide that it's worth, you know, they like you enough that maybe they can fuck you so well that you'll reconsider or be your fuck buddy long enough that you'll get over this fear of commitment thing or this desire just for non-committal sex. And they'll be the one who's around and who's fucking you a year from now when you're ready to seriously date and you'll seriously date them. But they can make that choice after you tell them what's up. You will fuck yourself out of some sex by being honest. But if you want to be ethical, And you don't really want to be an asshole, just seem like an asshole in some women's estimations. You got to be upfront. You got to tell them going in. You got to tell them before you go in. Hi, Dan. You can call me Sophie. I'm 25 and straight. And I'm calling because I have difficulty with blowjobs. And um, so the embarrassing thing is 
that I gag all the time. And not once, not twice, but three different times I've actually thrown up in my mouth while giving blowjobs, which is pretty embarrassing. I'm not really sure if the guys knew. I kind of, like, swallowed it and pretended like it didn't happen and never talked about it. So I'm dating this new guy right now, and he's really great. And he goes down on me, and we have sex, and it's it's good, and I really want to give him blowjobs. But I'm really nervous that I'm going to throw up in my mouth again or just generally suck at it. Um, so I'm wondering what suggestions you have. Nancy, one of the tech-savvy at-risk youth here at the podcast, points out that your call and your question is a great example of uh, good giving and game. Uh, that you are really wanting to do this for him, he's doing it for you, and you want to give it the old college try, and you're concerned about his pleasure, even though... Um, this act, given head, is a little difficult for you, and you've had some unpleasant experiences with it in the past. Uh, here's what you do. Um, you do tell him that you have a problem, uh, but you don't tell him that it's a problem like you have leukemia, as I'm always hammering away at. You tell him that you have a problem like this is a fun little obstacle course for both of you to run, and this is something you can work on together, and it'll be fun because you really want to learn how to give good head, uh, and you really want to get past your gag reflex, and he is so sexy and hot, and you love him so much, and he gives you such good head that he's the guy that you're going to do it for. You're going to learn it with. You're, he's going to help you get over this uh, hump. In the meantime, you know, once that's on the table, once he knows you have certain limitations, uh, and this is something you want to work on together, then you can start doing it. In the meantime, you know, you, you can't be that woman in deep throat with, you know, 12 inch dick down your throat right away. Uh, that ain't you. You have a gag reflex, perhaps you have a shallow mouth, perhaps he has a big dick, and you have this fear because you've thrown up in your mouth a few times, and that is embarrassing, and when that happens, the person getting the blowjob almost always knows, but is too polite to say anything. Uh, so the last three guys you threw up on their decks and then swallowed it, ugh, were good enough not to mention it. Um, so here's what you do going in. You wrap a fist around the base of his dick, which automatically shortens it, so it can't go that far back in your mouth. He's huge. You wrap two fists around his dick, and you treat the blowjob not as this thing you perform sort of look ma, no hands with your, you know, arms splayed out behind you, uh, like, you know, winged victory as you lean forward your mouth, uh, with your mouth and put his dick in and just bob your head up and down. That ain't a blowjob. A blowjob is mouth, it's tongue, it's lips, it's fist where you move your hands and you you know you put your dick in you put his dick in your mouth long enough uh that it's comfortable and then you take your mouth off his dick and you just keep your fist moving up and down with all that you know wet and sloppy saliva uh and he won't really notice the difference that much and you just sort of keep it rolling keep it mixing you know suck his balls uh jerk him off a little bit suck his dick a little bit chew on his taint a little bit go back to his dick for a little bit and you just keep all those elements working together and mixed together that is a blowjob Ta-da! A blowjob isn't just, you know, a dick in your throat and he can fuck your throat until he comes, although that is also a blowjob. It is a blowjob to incorporate oral and manual stimulation at the same time to get him off. Uh, that is often what people do during cunnilingus, because a lot of women like a finger in there, too, and it doesn't make it not cunnilingus because someone's also using their hands. So, once that's all on the table, then you just take baby steps, and you'll find that if you don't put pressure on yourself to go all Linda Lovelace, that was her name, to go all Linda Lovelace on his dick, uh, to feel like you're really giving a blowjob, if you don't pressure yourself to go too far too fast, you won't get to that point where you retch or feel like you're going to throw up. And you'll find, as you become more comfortable uh, and secure about the fact that you're giving good head 
as best you know within your limitations you'll find you'll you'll be going a little deeper a little longer uh and you'll realize where your wretch point is now, that's sometimes the problem with neophyte blowjob givers is they don't realize that they're triggering their gag reflex uh, until it's too late or they feel like they could power past their gag reflex uh, and they're wrong. Um, the more comfortable you get, the more time you spend with as much of his dick in your mouth uh, as you're comfortable with, I guarantee you the longer those times will become until one day you will give a winged victory, arms played out behind you, look, ma, no hands blowjob. Hello, Dan. My question is about birth control. I was hoping uh, you can maybe give me some good condom alternatives. See, my problem is whenever uh, I try to put on a condom, I usually end up going limp before it uh, gets on all the way. I don't know where that comes from, but uh, regardless, I'm not able to put on a condom as easily unless Maybe I'm doing it wrong. That's another possibility. But I'm wondering if you could possibly give me some pointers on how to avoid going limp during that process or failing that than some kind of good alternative, uh, perhaps something else that can be used in addition to a condom or in place of a condom. My girlfriend's already on the pill, but uh, she's not comfortable with just the pill. So uh, just wondering if we can use something as well. There's a few pointers uh, that I like to give people who are using condoms incorrectly or complain about going limp the moment they put a condom on. Because it's usually not the fault of the condom, it's usually the fault of the application. What you need to do, uh, so you don't have this problem uh, that so many straight guys seem to have with condoms, is be sure to, when you're about to get busy, you're about to have sex, to remove the condoms from the packets that they're in. So to, to minimize the length of the interruption. Also, you want to put the condom on well before intercourse. You want to put it on as a part of the foreplay. You want to put it on and forget it. You want to put it on and go back to the things that make your dick hard, like, you know, chewing on her tits or eating her pussy or her sucking your dick or or playing with your balls or rolling around and making out. Just put it on and try to forget about it because you want it to come to room temperature. Uh, You also want to remember that when you put that condom on, it's going to be cold for a second. Because the lube is going to be cold. It's not going to be the same temperature as your cock. It's going to be room temperature. It's going to be not quite as hot as your blood-engorged member might be. So people who move from condom application right to intercourse are really setting themselves up for limpitude and failure because there is going to be a momentary sort of pullback from your dick with your dick going, wow, it's suddenly really cold in here. And what does a cold do to your dick? What does a cold shower do to your dick? Hello, of course, duh. So you want to put the condom on, let it come up to the temperature that your body's at, Also, it's really easy to jerk off for a second when you put a condom on. Um, I wish they actually showed people putting condoms on in porn movies because I've never messed around with anybody uh, who was very good at sex uh, who would put a condom on who didn't then for just a moment or two stroke himself. And I know that in a lot of relationships, uh, particularly with sexually experienced, inexperienced people or younger people, they regard anything that looks vaguely, even remotely like masturbation as somehow antithetical to two people having sex as opposed to one person just alone getting themselves off. So her hand going to her own clitoris is somehow a violation of some implicit understanding about what sex is or he, him stroking himself is proof that he's not really attracted to her because if he was really into her, he wouldn't have to stroke himself even for a minute. That's bullshit. You have to leave that by the side of the road, throw the condom on and stroke yourself back to hardness. It only takes a second. And I don't buy the bullshit about how, you know, the sensation really drops all that crap because you know what happens 
so frequently when people are fucking with condoms, uh, there's a con- or condom will break. Doesn't happen that frequently, but a condom will break, and frequently when that happens, people say they you know they didn't know to stop because they couldn't they didn't feel it they couldn't tell the difference between the condom being on and the condom being off after it broke, which is why. Another good bit of condom advice is that a few times during the fucking you check visually or physically you feel or look to make sure the condom's still there because if it breaks or falls off, you can't tell, which means all that sensitivity bullshit that guys trot out is bullshit. It's a lie. Okay, so if you're doing all that, if you're taking the condom out of the packet, if you're stroking yourself, if you're letting come up to room temperature, if you're doing it as part of the foreplay uh, and you're still going limp, just stroke yourself. The other option, if, you do, if you're doing all that, including the stroking yourself and nothing works and you have some sort of huge psychological block about the condom on your dick because uh, you're a big fucking whiner, baby, bullshitter, there is the option of the female condom uh, or the femidom or whatever they were calling it a few years ago, which is basically um, – and I've used this expression in reference uh, to boyfriends that I've used it with, so I hope this doesn't sound misogynistic because I've said it about – the asses of guys I'm very fond of. It's basically a trash can liner. It's a huge condom, and she sticks it up inside herself, and you fuck it. So once it's in there, it's in there. All you have to make sure of when you enter someone uh, anally or vaginally who's wearing a femdom is that you've gone into the femdom and not around it or alongside it or above it or below it, that you've actually hit your mark and you've entered the femdom. Um, and so proper... Condom application technique and a stroke or two. And if that doesn't work, a femdom and no more bitching. And if your girlfriend's really paranoid about getting pregnant, uh, fuck her ass. Hey, Dan. Um, I am a 26-year-old gay man. And um, I've been out for a while. Uh, and my parents have been very supportive. However, um, I have a 12-year-old sister. And um, they've never, they've always wanted me to keep my sexuality from her. And, um, I don't know. It kind of just sucks. I have a really good relationship with my sister. We go out all the time. We go to movies. And I just want to let her know that I'm not this lame, celibate, um, loser that I've had relationships, that I've been in love. And I don't know how to come out to her. Um, like I said, she's 12. And I'm not really sure, um, should I get my parents' permission? tell her and I think my parents have a problem because telling my sister I'm gay is like telling her uh, hey sister I really enjoy anal intercourse Um, I guess my questions are um, should I get my parents permission first um, before I tell her Um, should I wait is 12 years old too young or um, should I wait till I have a boyfriend when it's you know I can say this is the person that I love uh, hey, Billy. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for your call. Thank you for calling. Uh, so is 12 too young? Well, I kind of told my son when he was about 11 minutes old that he had fags for parents. So obviously uh, I don't think 12 is too young. Yeah, I think she probably knows already, too. She has to know. You don't need your parents' permission to tell your sister the truth about yourself. You don't start to come out to your family uh, so that one part of your family can order you to remain closeted to the other part of your family. The reason we come out is so we stop having to live lies and hide and keep track of who knows and who doesn't know. Yeah. And it's not fair what your parents have asked you to do. And you've done it long enough. And so I don't think you should get your parents' permission 
You should inform your parents of your decision. Okay. That she's old enough now to know. She was old enough 10 years ago to know. Yeah. And you can't live like this anymore. It's too complicated for you to edit your life uh, when you're hanging out with your sister. And your yeah. parents will probably be a little spooked and unhappy about it, uh, but they'll get over it. You know, your parents, if you'd asked them for permission to come out to them before you came out to them, probably yeah. would have said no. <laughs> That's true, yeah. So. so you don't need their permission. Um, what should I just say? I, I don't know how to breach it. I don't know how to uh, just have her come over and just be like, hey, I'm gay. Or... Oh, my God, she's 12 years old. Right? Yeah. Twelve yeah. eight twelve eight two and twelve eight six and twelve eight eight. Yeah. I, I bet she has a read on you already. Yeah. People don't look at twenty six year old guys who don't have love lives and go, They just haven't met any women yet in the whole world. <laughs> they go hmm, Oh my grandmother's still stuff. <laughs> probably gay. Did twelve year olds know what gay is because they've watched high school musical and they know that Zach Efron kid. Oh, he's gay. I've never seen that show. He's not gay in that show. I'm just teasing. Um, And he's not gay in real life either so far. Yet. (laughs) But, you know, waiting till you have a boyfriend, if you think it's going to be hard to say, you know, what you think will be interpreted as, uh, I really like anal sex, you know, imagine the first time she gets the news, she has to, you know, shake the hand of the person that is anal sexing you. Oh, yeah. That actually makes it a bit spookier. And you could tell your parents that. You know, you're 26 years old, you've been in love, you want to bring boyfriends home when you have a boyfriend. She needs to know before she meets somebody. And, you know, I when I when you know when little 12-year-old kids meet straight people, they don't, you know, look at straight guys and go, oh, my God, he is a, one of those guys who eats pussy and wants no, to fuck me when I grow up. <laughs> they don't think that way. Kids think about love and companionship and care. Kids don't think adults are obsessed with sex. And adults... Are, are the weirdos who can't yeah. set the anal sex thing aside. You're, I guarantee your 12-year-old sister, when she's 15 or 14, might start asking you some awkward questions about exactly what you do in bed. But at 12, she won't. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she knows what a fag is unless she is being raised in a Skinner box in a basement in Utah. No, she's... <laughs> no, she doesn't. Yeah. So, um... I guess, I don't know if I should just, like, watch... I was going to rent fried green tomatoes and just watch that. <laughs> oh, the one of the things... Um, or Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I, yeah, I think she... I'm kind of pretty sure that she might be a lesbian, too. <laughs> but, um, oh, good. Come out to her now. Your parents will blame you for that when she comes yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know um, about that. That's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to tell her uh, So. She knows that I'm not ashamed of that. That's kind of the... And that your mom and dad know, and that they love you still. That would be yeah, a very yeah. important message for her to get if she is, in fact, a lesbian. Mm-hmm. That it's not going to be the end of her relationship with you. I mean, how awful for her if she's entering puberty, feels she might be gay, and can't tell her parents because they're not gay and wouldn't approve, and can't tell you because you're not gay and wouldn't approve, or she figures you are gay and that you haven't come out to the parents, which means she can't either. Mm-hmm. I mean, she if she is a lesbian, she'll be looking at you, if she knows you're gay, and going, well, obviously my family is not supportive, and it is not possible for me to come out in this family and be loved, which is just the absolute yeah. most destructive thing uh, uh, an adolescent who's it's gay not, can, can not true, yeah. think. So you owe it to her to come out. You owe it to her. Yeah. 
and your parents okay. can't tell you to stay in. Your parents can't tell you you can't rent billboards in Times Square screaming that you're fagged. You know, 20 years ago when I came out to my huge fucking Irish Catholic family, there was some debate about my younger cousins who were three and four and five, whether I could bring my boyfriend home, because what were they going to think? And my aunts were great. They were like, they're not going to think anything. They went to my uncles yeah. and said, you guys are the ones who are obsessed about Danny's ass. Our kids aren't going to be obsessed about Danny's ass. If you let Danny's ass go, and it was never a problem. And so yeah. far, it hasn't made any of my cousins gay, which is really distressing, because that was my whole plan. To corrupt them all, yeah. Yeah. I'm still all by um, my lonesome, the only fag in the family. Yeah, so that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll tell her. Okay, and you know what? I, one last piece of advice. Okay. Tell her, and then tell your parents you told her. Okay. Don't go to your parents and say, I am about to do this, because that'll give them an opportunity to go all fire and brimstone on your ass or threaten you or threaten to cut you off or threaten to not let you come home for Christmas or whatever, uh, presuming you're Christian. All you need to do is go to your parents and say, uh, hey, uh, yesterday I I let her know because I just couldn't play this game anymore, and it was really coming between us. It was really awkward, and I couldn't keep editing my life. I just want you to know in case she has any questions she brings to you. Period. Oh, okay. The end. Thank you for not being jerks, Mom and Dad. Okay. Yeah. Okay? I think that's good. Good luck. All right. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Dan. I'm 19 years old. I'm sexually open. I am the first of my friends to be, you know, sexually and all that stuff. And I'm all for everyone, you know, being who they are sexually and stuff. I just can't get over when my mom wants to talk about how she's sexually frustrated. It just I just want her to go and talk with her girlfriends. I tell her, you know, go talk with your girlfriends. But she works a lot, doesn't have that many girlfriends. I don't know if she really talks with them that much about how she's just needing stuff sexually. She got divorced from my dad a few years ago, thank God. Um, but I think she's just been with some kind of loser guys lately, and I just... I want the thing for her. I want her to, you know, get bone like crazy, but I really don't want to think about it. And I don't know how to really come to terms with my mom's sexuality, even though I know she's got some because I exist. Um, yeah, any thoughts on this matter would be great. Yeah, sometimes you want to be careful uh, about how open you are with your parents about your sexuality because then your parents might conclude that they can be open with you about theirs. And that can make you really uncomfortable because no one really wants to picture their parents getting it on. Uh, I'm not sure quite what to tell you other than everything you just said to us about how it makes you feel and how it makes you uncomfortable. You should be able to say to your mom. On the other hand, it sounds like your mom's in, uh, a bit isolated uh, because of her work hours and you say she doesn't have really a close female friend right now that she can confide in. Uh, and uh, you obviously have some sense of compassion for your mother. And so, uh, you know, I want to tell you to tell mom, TMI, too much information, <laughs> please stop, uh, which is what I would tell my mom. Um, but I also want you to say, you know, sometimes uh, loving someone means, means listening to them even when you really don't want to hear what they have to say and it really doesn't involve you but they need to say it to somebody and you can look like you're listening and be thinking of england or nuns or the bush twins or something similarly unerotic so i really don't have any advice for you uh but you know option a option b i'm not recommending either option a mom too much information ha 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 get a girlfriend uh and mom b uh yeah, mom, lay it on me. La, 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 la. Fingers in the ears the whole time. Good luck with that. Hi, Dan. Um, 
I'm currently with a guy that I really love, and we have a fantastic relationship and also the most fantastically amazing sex. But I find that I have always and continue to have issues with doggy style. Um, I've tried it a couple times when I'm in the mood, and it's been good when I'm in a very specific mood where I ask for it, but I've tried it other times with his request and I just feel like it's this inherently demeaning position and I can't get comfortable and I just, it doesn't feel good to me. It it feels like I'm being dominated in a way that's not pleasant. Um, And it's strange because our sex is fantastic and emotional usually and he's, I consider him as much of a feminist as I am, if not more, so... I don't feel like that's a it's a reflection of our daily interaction or anything. So I'm just wondering your opinion about that. If you think that it's okay to know what I do and do not like, even if I feel like I want to please him by trying that more, um, or if you think that there's just some other psychological barrier that I need to try to work through. Um, my first follow-up question for you, now that I have you on the phone, is how old are you and are you in college? I'm 23 and I've graduated a couple years ago. Okay. You need to leave college behind. You need to stop putting your turn-ons and your boyfriend's turn-ons through this, you know, feminist PC meat grinder under this weird political microscope. Because that is the death of all eroticism. (laughs) It really is. Even, you know, perhaps doggy style is demeaning. Perhaps part of what your boyfriend enjoys about it is its demeaning quality. Perhaps sometimes during sex he wants to feel a bit aggressive and dominant and that you are submitting and waka waka waka. And so long as outside the bedroom or post-orgasm and in real life and in regular time, he treats you as an equal and you treat him as an equal, like whatever the fuck you guys do in bed, whatever works for you both works. Yeah, I mean, the issue is that it, it doesn't for me. It's just, it, it, it's, it sounds like you have a hang-up about it, though, because there have been times when you've yeah. enjoyed it, yeah. and you've been able to let yourself go, and there are times when you overthink it. Yeah. And I suspect that you also have, you know, uh, perhaps it's been beaten into you, perhaps you picked it up all by yourself, this attitude that a woman should never in bed do for a man. Never go, you know what, I'm not enjoying this so much, I'm just going to do it because he's clearly doing it. That that's somehow, you know, anti-feminist or degrading or whatever, when actually that's what everyone should do for each other in bed all the time, male or female. It should run in both directions. The problem with, like, sexual subservience or sexual service is for millennia, only women were expected to do it for men, and men weren't expected to be cognizant of or give a shit about a woman's pleasure or turn-ons. But hopefully you are in a more egalitarian place now, right? Yeah. Where he probably, are there some things he does for you past the point of pleasure for him or comfort? Does he eat your pussy until his neck aches? Of course, I mean, and I... Of course, of course, well, of course, because, because, you know, we're young, hip, and I'm a feminist, and he's a good, sensitive guy, and of course he will suffer for me to get me off. But it's like, I... I but I shouldn't have to suffer for him, because that would be betrayal of everything feminism is about, and all my sisters fought for, waka, waka, waka. <laughs> I mean, it, it concerns me that there can be a sexual position that, like, makes me sad, gives me an emotional response, it's like, I... I want to cry part of me. And that sounds horrible. Like, why? 
it's, it's, I feel like I'm a whole, basically, you know? What's wrong with you that, You never feel though? like that otherwise. Because you're not face-to-face? Yeah. Because you can't I mean, see him? And he's not touching me. Like, we can't see each other. I feel like he's, t- like, holding, you know, my he's waist. T- he's touching not, you like, with his eyes. I'm, I'm like, a fat. All I can see, right, is, like, the back of my head. and Yeah, and, and the shape of your back and your shoulders and your waist and the and the perfect sort of little, I guess, pair that a woman's ass becomes and a man's ass becomes when they're in that position. That is arousing. Men are visual, as everyone likes to acknowledge, right? Yeah. And, I, and I'm a fact. You know, sometimes I fuck my boyfriend face-to-face, and we're looking at each other, but sometimes I... Fuck him doggy style, which is how a lot of people think is the only way gay guys fuck, which is not true. You can right. totally have anal sex face to face. And because I want to, I, I love his back. I love the way his back looks. It's very, it's sexy. It's not like, oh, at those moments when we have doggy style sex, all he is is a sphincter clamped around my dick. Yeah. It's not like he evaporates, except for his asshole. And nor do you. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to urge you to do anything about that makes you sad or makes you cry. But I would ask you to think more deeply about why this elicits those feelings and whether those feelings are legitimate. Or if you've made some sort of connection in your brain between this position, you know, and and a conclusion about how you're being treated that is not accurate that is then leading you to these feelings. But, I mean, how do you do that? Because it's like once I've... Tried when he's asked for it, you know. I thought, well, I should really just get over this. Mm-hmm. But then I inevitably end up feeling the same unless the very rare times when I've asked for it. But where have you, where have you been? Anything. Where have you been when you've asked for it? What was what worked about it for you when it worked for you? I mean, I'd say like ninety percent of the time I see sex is almost entirely an intimate, emotional thing, and I don't. And there are certain times when I'm much more into the play and the just raw sexuality of it, but that's very rare, I think. Mm-hmm. And so times when that happened where it felt like it was just sheer horniness, like it worked. Do you view that? Really rare for do you me. view that sheer horniness sex as less valid? It's not less valid. It's just different. It's it's. I don't think it's less valid. It's less. It has less of an impact. I like feel like it has less, like, I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know. You know, there are times when people have who are in long-term relationships have really passionate, loving, intimate, tender sex, and there's times when people in that same relationship have really intense, animalistic, rough-and-tumble, rolling-around, more driven sex, right? Yeah. But I think that ultimately both kinds of sex achieve the same goals, which is they help to cement this physical bond by sharing this pleasure. And, you know, a lot of people want to put the one sex on the pedestal and the other sex, you know, on the floor in the gutter and say, this is valuable and beautiful and loving, and this is this is somehow, you know, an indictment of who I was at that moment when I was so horny that I did that. And I, and I don't think people should separate them in that way. I agree. But, I mean, how would, how would I go about doing that? Like, I might feel better, I feel like, if you were saying, you know, nice sort of romantically inclined things while he's doing it, instead of just, like, Grunting I'm away. fucking your pussy, this feels awesome. 
Well, perhaps he'd have an incentive, you know, if, if it's merely a matter of changing his uh, Dirty Talk style while he's doing it, we'll get him more doggy style, and he really likes doggy style, then you need to tell him that, and he'll have an incentive to change his verbally uh, dominant ways when he's having doggy style sex with you. But also, you know, you said that nine times out of ten, 90% of the time, you like this intimate sex. If, you know, one out of every ten times he can get a little bit of this animalistic and some doggy style, then I don't, maybe it's not a problem. Maybe that, sh- that ought, really ought to be enough. Where's the tension? Where's the conflict if it's happening, you know, one out of ten times? I, I feel like I guess it's not happening that much. I just feel like in other ways I'm very sexually adventurous and open, and I don't like the idea of being just, like, closed off. Mm-hmm. Even if it's in the moment, any sort of thing that he wants, that he wants to try or wants to do together... But on the other hand, I know if I'm in a certain mood that it's just going to make me feel sad. And, the, you know, that's okay, too. It's okay to know yourself sexually and know, like, at certain times, certain things aren't going to work for me, whether for physical or emotional reasons, as long as you're not totally shut down all the time. Yeah. I mean, no, no one person is always and constantly available to another person for any sex act in any position at any time for any length of time. Right, and I'm not saying that you know you as a woman or he as a man or me as a fag or anybody as anybody has to do that, but I do think that maybe you could get a little bit closer to not feeling so threatened emotionally by doggy style if you disassociated, right. or if you rethought it and and rethought your intimacy and really talked with him about your intimacy. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I've seen people have really, and I've had really loving doggy style sex, and I've seen people have really, you know, domineering, awful, kind of rude, uh, diminishing missionary position sex. It's not like positions are inherently well. I mean, the thing about or, yeah, well, I don't know. For doggy style, I feel like I have no control. Is the other half of it? Like, you know, I can't be moving around too much. Hmm. Or, like, affecting the rhythm as much as I would be if we're doing a missionary. Mm-hmm. Then I could just be like, you know what? No, I'm taking control now, you know? But you can always be... Dominate. But you can, you can reassert yourself even in the doggy style position by moving into another position. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> a lot of... It sounds like I made you sad. It sounds like we did it in the doggy style right here on the telephone. I'm just not sure, you know, exactly what to do. I don't feel like there's a certain set list of instructions to follow. There isn't. There's only, you know, what increasing comfort levels. Yeah. How many times have you done it doggy style in your life? You're not that old. Not that many. I mean, every time I just end up... The first time... The first time a guy buried his face in my armpit, I thought it was the most disgusting thing that had ever happened. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And now sex starts with me burying my face in my boyfriend's armpit. So <laughs> sometimes familiarity help with a sex act and, you know, giving it a go a few times helps you discover what's in it for you or what you enjoy about it. And you find a way to take your pleasure in it, and then you really discover that you dig it, if you give it a chance. And it's gotten better. I mean, I wasn't able to ever enjoy it in my previous relationship, and I have at least once or twice in this one. So all he needs to know is that you've enjoyed it once or twice, you'll probably enjoy it in the future. Maybe, you know, five, ten years down the road, if it's a really LTR that works out, you'll grow to a point where it's, you know one of your favorites. But right now, it you know presents you with some emotional challenges that in, 
you may get over because a few years ago you couldn't do it at all. With him, you've been able to do it successfully a couple of times. And if he works with you and rolls with it and isn't an asshole about it, it may happen more. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Good luck. I'm reasonable. Thanks. Bye. Well, we're going to wrap it up there, everybody. I hope uh, my Jewish listeners enjoyed their Hanukkah, which is over now. And my uh, Christian listeners, all 14 of you, uh, enjoy your coming up uh, birth of your Savior crap. Uh, I'm enjoying it, too. Cultural Catholic. Got a Christmas tree. Don't have a Savior, unfortunately. The number here at the podcast, if you want to record a question for a future show, 206-201-2720. And you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. The number, once again, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. Be sure to leave a name, a phone number, in case we want to call you back with a follow-up question. And the questions that people manage to keep to two minutes or under are the ones we are most likely to use. We'll be back at you next week with another podcast.